Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert and advisor on Motley Fool's Rule Your Retirement newsletter. Hi, Allison. (laughs) And that other voice you heard is James Early. He's the dividend investor extraordinaire, and he's back to answer your burning questions. We're going to talk about MLPs, preferred stocks, and how to convert your portfolio to a dividend-producing machine. Sounds That's good. kind of big promises. <laughs> We're also going to get James's take on the current market volatility, and I'm going to ask him to pick his favorite dividend payer right now. Dividends, dividends, dividends. All this and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. In our planning meeting this week, bro was like, well, aren't we going to talk about market volatility? And I was like, I guess we could talk about market volatility. <laughs> yeah. It's just so boring to me. To talk about it, even though it's very exciting. Okay, so like the the we're experiencing the worst quarter in four years. That's right. awful. Yep. That's awful. Right. But today, for our listeners, today is not the same day as for you. Uh, the Dow is up triple digits, and the S and P has now slipped back above nineteen hundred. So, I, it's just a boring topic because at the Motley Fool, usually we say, "Don't just do something. Sit there." It's it's boring, but it but it's obviously not boring if you're watching your portfolio go down. And it's sort of a scary, boring feeling. But right now, I think we're at the point where the market is driven much more by macroeconomic factors rather than microeconomic or company specific factors. And at the Motley Fool, and and frankly, with most most value investors, people like Peter Lynch, Warren Buffett, there's this whole culture that's largely all about those micro factors. And most of the time, I'm going to say 90 plus percent of the time. Those are the things you want to hold on to, and those are the things that are going to move stocks over the long period. But this particular segment is not one of those periods. So it's like we're, we're in this little boat getting tossed around by these big waves, and it's tempting to panic. Of course, our message is going to be not to panic, but but right at the moment, that's that's sort of the reality, is, is we look like idiots because our stocks are going, or at least I do, because a lot of my stocks are going down, <laughs> down, down. And it's like, hey, this is supposed to be a great stock, right? Well, maybe over five years it will be, but, but it's certainly not, not right now. Right. And there, there are two things. First of all, stocks are down for the year and over the past 12 months. And it, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. International stocks, U.S. stocks, small stocks, they're all down. Commodities are down. Um, so you have that, which some people, it, it can cause some people some nervousness. And then there's just the, the daily volatility of where the market is really up one day and then really down one day. So um, it, it's a bit of a, a double whammy there. And for people who are younger and really are long-term investors, it really doesn't mean anything. I think it's more disconcerting for the people who are getting close to retirement or in retirement, like, oh my gosh, is this going to change my plans? And if you are looking for a reason to worry, I mean, the backdrop here is six-plus years of cheap money. After the financial crisis, basically every central bank in the world said, all right, let's lowball interest rates to make money accessible so people can go out and buy stuff. And buy stuff they did. And the stocks sort of went up, 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 up. Assets went up, 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 up. And now things are starting to crest and go back down. And every, all the time things were rising, people were sort of like smiling nervously, looking to each other, saying, hey, hey okay, when's this thing going to end? It wasn't the confident rally that we would normally see when we have just robustly strong economic growth unsupported by this sort of tailwind of central bank uh, policy. So, so it wasn't a confident rally to begin with as long as it lasted. And I think that's the concern is, well, what's, where, does, where do things really settle down on uh, if we remove all, all the stimulus? Where does the dust settle? And we're going to find out. But to bring it to a individual investor action Brit, take point. Us home. Take, take us, us home. Take us home, bro. Right. It's going to be that good. Is, I can just feel well, it. Well, it's not going to be good. It's just that this is, <laughs> this is just what happens, right? So 
Morgan's been on our show, Morgan Housel. He's had he's done this research that indicates you should expect the market to drop about 10% once every year or so, 20% once every four years. This just happens. It's part of being in the stock market. The reasons may change, or at least the reasons people give for it, but, it, but this is what happens in the stock market. So it's nothing new. And studies, the history has shown that as long as you hold on through this and hold on for the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years, you're going to be fine. See, and this is why I yeah. said talking about market volatility is boring. <laughs> I will you like just when... made my point for me. <laughs> that I was boring? But we, Thank we, you. I'm not making personal accusations, but <laughs> in the end, I, ca- I started this conversation by saying talking about market volatility is boring. And then you bring it around to, listen, this just happens. So, you know, put up with it. James? It's a free show, right? Well, yeah. I, I will say. <laughs> 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 you we'll 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 say we are. The, the market back. does kind of have us hostage right now. Because where else are we going to put our money? Right. We're going to go into CDs and get like 0.002%. We're going to go into bonds and get hammered when interest rates rise. I mean, I don't know where else is a, is a good place. And, and yes, the stock market is rocky, but it's it's kind of like the 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 least drunk driver on the road. I mean, it's better than <laughs> better than the other options at this point in time. There you go, folks. Count on James Early to make this boring conversation more interesting. Thanks, man. So again, James Early is back. He is the advisor on the Motley Fool's Income Investor Newsletter, which covers investing income in income stocks, which are, help us define stocks them again. Stocks that pay dividends. Typically, I look for a 3% yield or higher. Sometimes they go a little bit lower, but basically, if you're totally brand new to investing, these are stocks that pay you a portion of their income or or cash, typically a few times a year. So if you have a $100 stock, it pays you five bucks a year, that would be a 5% yield. And people typically like dividends because they're kind of more slow and steady. And that's the notion. It's not always true. There are some clear exceptions, but usually dividend companies have business models that are well established. They have actual cash flow. You're not going to see some uh, money losing biotech paying a dividend. You got to have an established business in order to pay the dividend in the first place. Dividends give you a choice too. Uh, it's, I've said it before, but it's sort of like being on a moving walkway at the airport. You can just sit there and collect your dividend, the equivalent of standing still, or you can reinvest that dividend back in that stock or in a different stock to further compound, hopefully compound, if the stock price keeps rising, compound your, your profits. All right, and we have had you on the show before, so for anyone who is new to dividends, you'll want to check out our previous episodes with James Early, because today you are here to answer some questions. Bring them on. All right, the first one comes to us from Bruce. Bruce says, I would like to know about the risks and benefits of preferred stocks for income investors. They seem to pay a pretty high dividend and seem less volatile than stocks in general. This would seem ideal for someone in retirement who who relies on steady income and can weather a little volatility. I have never heard of preferred stocks. But it sounds very exclusive and sexy. <laughs> it, it is. It's like you the know, diner's <laughs> club card well, of investing, right? It's almost kind of hard to talk about preferreds because they're in this really weird netherworld. Uh, people who, who like them say they combine the best of stocks and bonds. People who don't like them say they're sort of neither of either world. They, they do operate in the middle of the capital structure. They're not as secure as bonds. And in the event that everything goes haywire, the bondholders get paid first, then preferreds, then equity holders. But, but they're, they're not not as risky as stocks, and they do tend to pay higher yields. Their upside is typically capped. It's, it's sort of like a, a miniature contract. It's very bond-like in that way. So you're never going to make a fortune 
on your preferreds. The 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 money is is typically taxed uh, at the the dividend rate, which can be advantageous unless it's what's called a trust preferred, in which case it's going to be taxed at ordinary income rate. So you want to hold that in your tax deferred account. Uh, preferreds tend to be paid by like banks or REITs or financial companies just just overall. Right now, my kind of gut feel opinion is that preferred yields are maybe not pricing in the potential damage that we may see if the Fed raises or when the Fed raises interest rates. So I wouldn't be jumping into preferreds, but they are, I mean, they they do pay income. So a lot of people say, I just want that steady income, but they're not as, just remember, they're not as safe as as bonds. They They are somewhat safer than stocks. Okay. And and they're not you don't have this robust data trove like you do with regular stocks. Quantumonline.com is the best place for preferred information as far as I know, but each preferred is sort of like its own separate little miniature contract. So you got to read up on the details of each one. That doesn't sound it's exciting. It's kind of an unwholes- unsatisfying. All. I told you it's hard to talk about. It really is. Well, I th- I think it was Wells Fargo that just came out with one that's paying I think 6%, which yeah. sounds very appealing right now. Um, but as James pointed out, if interest rates go up, the value of those preferred shares may go down. If it were a bond, a bond matures. You, if you buy a five-year bond, in five years you get your money back. Preferreds don't always mature. Um, so if it goes down, it can stay down for a very long time, and you don't know when you're going to or if you're going to get your money back. The good thing about preferreds right now, I will say, is that if you are not expecting massive equity rises, and, and I'm, I'm not, and probably a lot of people are not, the, the, that downside of preferreds is somewhat minimized. In other words, if the stock goes to the moon, you're going to be griping that you were in the preferred and you missed all that upside. I don't think we're going to have that problem now. All right, let's move on to the next question. This comes from Michael. Hi, I am presently invested mostly in growth stocks with no bonds and a handful of dividend-producing companies. I wish to convert this into a mostly dividend-producing portfolio, and I have a few questions. How long should this take? It's a conversion of 45 growth stocks to 45 dividend-paying stocks, and at an average return of 5%. What rules should I follow in order to facilitate this transition? So, should should I assume that Michael is maybe heading into retirement, and that's why he's shifting from growth stocks to dividend stocks? It's it's possible, and it's certainly something that anyone who's getting close to retirement would think about doing, because that's one of the benefits of, of dividend stocks, is when you move from earning money to moving to a, where your portfolio has to generate that money, having dividend-paying stock is great, because then it just throws off the income. It's actually tax-advantaged, and you don't have to worry about what the stock price, price does from any given year. So or maybe he's assume... 29 years old and he's just seen the light. You know, you never... That's true. I love dividend. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has read your newsletter. And has been convinced. You, you came to him in a vision, and you said, "Michael, dividends." What I would say to Michael now, though, is I think I think it's almost a trading question rather than a, a dividend-specific question per se. And I, I would say the answer depends on what access or what belief he has in valuation estimates. In other words, if it's just, "Hey, I definitely want to be out of these stocks and in these stocks." You could do it all in a day. You could literally do it all in a day. If if you have more detailed valuation estimates that you trust, then you might want to to sell the ones that are more overpriced now, or maybe take do some tax loss harvesting as as we near the end of the year, and then phase into dividend stocks kind of more gradually as we see attractive prices. I, I, obviously, we don't know what his timeline is, so it's hard to say specifically. But I would say it just depends on on, on valuation. If it's if you're totally agnostic, there, there's no reason to, to not do it immediately. If you have these 45 good dividend names, I, I don't know uh, what what he's looking at right now, but it just depends on on 
uh, on those two things, I would say. So if he's looking for some specific company ideas, obviously your newsletter would be a good place to start. He could, yeah. Um, but that, I assume there are also like mutual funds that specialize in dividends. There are plenty of mutual funds, plenty of ETFs, and and for at least new investors, it sounds like Michael. If he has forty five stocks, he's probably not a novice investor. But but for 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 novice and expert investors alike, I, I love ETFs. You pay, typically pay low fees. Some of the Vanguard ETFs are dirt cheap, and and they sort of just give you instant diversification. And you can sprinkle on the in, in individual stocks on top of that. All right, next one. This comes from Jesus. He says, Hi, I recently started investing in stocks and have come across master limited partnerships. They seem like good buys with great dividends, but I hear that MLPs are taxed differently and dividends are paid differently. Can you please explain MLPs so that I can understand them? Thank you. P.S. I appreciate the great work you all do on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so, MLPs actually, I think my husband pretty much had this exact same situation where he's like, I'm starting to invest in, and oh, I'm learning about MLPs and REITs and stuff like that. Um, all right, what's the deal okay, with so them? So here's the deal with them. So, so if you just started investing in stocks, it's a, a little bit complicated, but it's not like outrageously complicated, especially if you have an accountant help you with the taxes. That's really the only complicated part. Basically, years ago, I want, I want to say early 1980s, Congress said, you know what? We need more energy infrastructure here in the U.S., like pipelines, companies that take energy, natural gas and oil from the wellhead to the end consumer, to the utility, kind of this middle ground zone. So let's let these guys not pay any taxes on the entity level. It'll be totally a pass-through partnership. So the end users get taxed. These guys will be tax-free. That'll encourage this development. And and it did. And for a while, it was abused, and we had all these random companies becoming MLPs, and they, and they cracked down on that. But energy MLPs are sort of the mainstay. Pipelines are, are basically what we think of when we think of MLPs. And, and they have their little sort of like mini monopolies. I can't build a pipeline right next to yours, Allison, unless I can demonstrate an economic need. So you have a little bit of a lockdown on that market while you're shipping. Uh, there, there's not a lot of risk. I don't mean to insult the managers of these companies, but I don't think it's rocket science to run a pipeline company. It's pretty straightforward. And they pay out typically 90% or more of what they, they earn to investors. Now, the tricky part, now that's all straightforward enough, and you get these nice high yields, and, and there's sort of an ongoing demand for this midstream energy infrastructure. The tricky part is is, is the taxes. Your your entire distribution, It's uh, a dividend, dividend is a form of a distribution, but distribution is a broader term than a dividend. And an MLP, MLP pays a dividend, a distribution, excuse me. Your entire distribution is what's called a return of capital, which lowers your cost basis. But then you also receive separately something, uh, an income allocation, like your percentage share of the profits of the company and and your percentage share of something called depreciation, which is sort of like a charge to represent capital expenditures. And, and MLPs basically show, without getting, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep this under 30 minutes, but <laughs> <laughs> MLPs have these huge, huge, huge expenses initially. They build these very expensive pipelines and they just sit there. So the first year they have terrible looking cash flow, and then after that, they don't have any, any real capex expenditures. They have these big depreciation charges, which are sort of like these, sort of like the accrual version of, of of capital expenditures. So they show very low income. Uh, you get a typically a big tax deferred yield. That's the bottom line. You get a big yield that you it's tax deferred until you sell. But when you sell, there are some more nuanced tax consequences. There are plenty of websites that do explain this, and that's where I would direct Jesus to. They do give good yields, but also know that you have a little bit of tax complexity, bottom line. Right. The, the one thing I'll add to that is that you can actually hold these in an IRA or another tax advantage account and still end up owing taxes on them. Oh, okay. Um, but you've got to have a boatload. You've got to have yeah. a boat. Yeah. 
Some people say you can hold them in an IRA. Don't believe them. They are wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. You can hold an MR, MLP in an IRA, but if you have like, you know, it depends on the MLP, but it could be millions of dollars worth, you could have some tax consequences. All right. So bottom line on MLPs, you can... You- I, I, I love them. I've got a lot of them in Income Investor, and a lot of them are trading at really good prices right now. But just be prepared. They're going to be a little more complicated come tax time. Okay. All right. Next question comes to us from Jack. He said, I'm interested in buying stock that pays dividends of 10% or higher. Can The Motley Fool start a column or report that would give us retirees with monthly information on this request? Um, so here's Jack where I would say, James's newsletter, <laughs> Income Investor, is a great resource. But as far as finding dividends of 10% or higher... Yeah, there, there comes a time in every dividend investor's life when he has to put his foot down. And for me, that time is now. Uh, Jack, you've got a, a great question. A lot of people ask this question, but unfortunately... Stocks that consistently pay yields of 10% or more tend to be consistently very, very risky. Too risky for my blood most of the time. Now, even an income investor, we have some of those. Most of them are because the stock price has dropped, unfortunately. So now they just mathematically are yielding higher. But usually the the, the, the 10% and above, uh, you see some of the, the, the tanker companies, um, some uh, maybe some of the riskier finance companies like mortgage REITs. These are companies that, that are typically very cyclical and and often the the big risk is you think oh 10% how bad can it be i'm making so much money off the yield well sometimes that yield goes away right that's what i was going to ask you so at, at what point how concerned do you get to be when a stock drops so low that it starts yielding 8 9 10% is that almost a is that a, such a red flag that you're like, okay, they're definitely going to cut this dividend at some point? It depends on it depends on their cash, depends on their cash flow. Uh, in a, if if a, a, some stocks have dropped a lot and, and they're yielding a lot, but they have a very low payout ratio, and I don't worry about those at all. Some stocks that were stretching to pay 10, 11, 12% before have now dropped and they're yielding close to 20%. Uh, a lot of those uh, I worry about quite a bit. And we've had some a few dividend cuts recently, even in Income Investor, and I, I hate it to, to have that happen, but it does happen sometimes. Sorry, Jack. Bad news. <laughs> <laughs> those unicorns just don't exist. But if you do want to learn more about how you can subscribe to get more of James Early's thoughts, you can go to income.fool.com and learn about signing up for the newsletter. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you end up not liking it, that's okay. But you'll like it. <laughs> Do you have any fun dividend company that you want to talk to us about today? How about I give you two? Ooh. Um, one fun, one le- well, less fun. Uh, the less fun is for the, the more risk-averse people. Everest Reinsurance, the ticker is RE. Uh, I like a lot of reinsurers right now for whatever reason. I feel that they're a little bit more attractively priced. What's than, a reinsurer? Okay, so, so there are two things. Kinds of reinsurer. The, the the way most people think of reinsurers, those who think of reinsurers, typically picture this massive behemoth type company that insures the smaller insurers against a big catastrophe, you know, like a Hurricane Katrina type of thing. When the little guys run out of money, they themselves get insurance, or before that, they themselves get insurance from a reinsurer. That's one part of it. There's another part of reinsurance, just called like sort of like a excess business. So, so if uh, a smaller company is good at generating business, but but they just want to like sell some of it off and, and, and get like a cut of the proceeds, they'll sell it off to reinsure. So it's sort of like, maybe I'm not a good talker, but, but Allison, you're great at bringing in customers. So you, you maybe bring in a little bit more than you can handle, and I'll take some of your business in exchange for a share of the proceeds or something like that. So that's that's the other set of, of or type of reinsurance. And I tend to like that second kind a little bit more. And right now, the reason I like insurers and reinsurers is that they're 
some of the few companies that tend to prosper when interest rates rise. And most definitely, we're going to see interest rates rise. The reason is these guys typically hold a lot of bonds. And as as rates rise, a lot of these bonds get replaced. The lower-yielding bonds get replaced by higher-yielding bonds, so their interest income actually increases. So Everest Re is one, the risky one that, that I'm reluctant to mention, but it's just so cheap I feel like I need to, is Copa Holdings. This is a Panamanian airline. I've talked about this before in various places. It's down 50 percent about since I recommended it. It's a two-time recommendation at Income Investor. It's the most profitable airline in the world by profit margin. They win all these awards. They're a great company that just happens to do a lot of business in Latin America, which is just having a really tough time of it right now. I think they're at a cheap price. Uh, the biggest uh, risk, uh, as my analyst uh, Rana Patanjali was discussing with me, is, is simply a management buyout because it's so cheap right now. But I do feel this is a, a good stock that's just been really beaten down by macro headwinds. All right, so Everest Reinsure and Copa Holdings. Um, I should probably say our disclaimer. I guess so. If we talk about stocks, I feel like when we talk about stocks, I have to say the Motley Fool and our analysts may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks we talk about. So do your own research and don't buy and sell based solely on what you hear here. Before we go, I have a very, very important question to ask you. At The Motley Fool, we have this little thing called The Fool's Errand, where every month an employee's name gets pulled from a hat, and they have to take two weeks off in the next month and totally unplug. You also get like a thousand bucks, I think. And just yesterday, you won The Fool's Errand. I, I can't say that I never win anything. No, I did, I didn't never win. again. I was surprised. You won. You beat out 10 other fools whose names were initially drawn from the hat. What are you going to do? You've got two weeks and a thousand bucks. You know, I've got... In all my time in Income Investor, 10-something years since I've been doing the service, I've only unplugged. I've traveled and worked, but I've literally only unplugged my computer for two days uh, the longest time. In the, in the Philippines in 2011, when I hiked up the highest mountain there, that was my longest break from, from the internet, from checking in. So this is a good forced break for me. I, I have not decided. Um, I might go to Mongolia, actually. I've never, never been to Mongolia, and I might... Uh, do some volunteering at an orphanage somewhere in, in Asia. I'm over there too. Really? Yeah. Wow. Do you already know the this orphanage and organization? Well, I, I know one. I, I have one that I have a relationship with, and I, I may may find some others too. Cool. Yeah. And are there any pine trees in Mongolia? There that are you're lots of pine okay. trees in in Mongolia. Lots of larches, uh, firs. It's it's a really a, it's a for me it will be like heaven. A conifer lover's dream. Yeah, quite a few. Explain why that means anything to James. What's the society you belong to? The, the American Conifer Society. There is just we my, go. Okay. My things. <laughs> Bro, what would you do if you won the I, fool's errand? I, I, uh, how could I top volunteering in an orphanage? I know. No matter one. what you're saying, you're going to look like I'm a gonna selfish I'm going to give away jerk. my liver, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, traveling would be a big part of it. I would love to take one of my kids with me. So were I to ever win it, especially in the summer... You'd probably take each of the kids on like three or four day trips somewhere around the world. How's that? Or at least around the country. That sounds nice. Yeah, it'd be fun. I like it. All right, that's going to do it for today. I want to thank you, James, for coming back. Anytime. It's my pleasure. This was this really got in the weeds So um, with dividends. So I appreciate you walking us through it. I think I'm just going to stick to plain old milk toast dividend stocks. So. Anytime you want to get in the weeds, though, you know who to call. I do. Anytime <laughs> I want to get into the conifers. <laughs> There's a guy. I know. Is James that the, Early. That'll be the name of your book, Into the Conifers. Maybe not. A tale not of weeds. dividends. Some, some are weeds, most of And MLPs. 
Uh, again, if you want to get more of what's going on in that noggin of James Early's, you can head to income.fool.com and sign up for his newsletter. Uh, there is a 30-day money-back guarantee, so again, not a huge risk, but you will hurt his feelings if you if you. I'll stop like hating you next week. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's going to do it for today. Our email is answers at fool.com. Send us your questions, suggestions, and glowing praise. Robert Brokamp, do you want to say goodbye to everyone? Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish. Stay foolish.